Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we're concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Aesop's Fables, those classic tales, contain a story of a man, his son, and their donkey, and it goes like this. A man and his son were once going with their donkey to market. As they were walking along by his side, a countryman passed them and said, You fools, what is a donkey for but to ride upon? So the man, the father, put the boy on the donkey, and they went on their way. But soon they passed a group of men, one of whom said, See that lazy youngster, he lets his father walk while he rides. So the man ordered his boy to get off, and he got on himself. But they hadn't gone far when they passed two women, one of whom said to the other, Shame on that lazy lout for letting his poor little son trudge along. Well, the man didn't know what to do, but at last he took up his boy before him on the donkey. This, by this time they had come to town, and the passers-by began to jeer and point at them. The man stopped and asked them what they were scoffing at, and the men said, Aren't you ashamed of yourself for overloading that poor donkey of yours? You're both riding on the donkey. The man and the boy got off and tried to think what to do. How do we make everybody happy? They thought, they thought and they thought, and until at last, they cut down a pole. And they tied the donkey's feet to the pole and raised the pole on their shoulders and the donkey on their shoulders. And they went along amid the laughter of all who met them until they came to a bridge. When the donkey, getting one of his feet loose, while they were crossing that bridge, he got his foot loose and he kicked out and caused the boy to drop his end of the pole. In the struggle, the donkey fell over the bridge and his four feet being tied together, he was drowned. The story ends with this line, try to please everyone and you'll please no one. Now, I know that story is a sad one, and perhaps we often tell uh, less dramatic versions of those stories. It's probably not one you wanted to hear, but it hits close to where our scripture text leads us today. We're in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read a story that deals with keeping cultural obligations. It's a story of two sisters, one who sits at Jesus' feet, Mary, and the other sister who is busy trying to get everything just right for such an important visitor as Jesus, and her name is Martha. In her efforts to do what is expected of her, she's made, she has become miserable. She even gets angry at her esteemed guest, Jesus. Martha has become a prisoner to ob obligations and expectations. Perhaps you feel this way. Your list of must-do chores and the need-to-do activities has become heavyweight. It drains you instead of giving you life. We do not have to be prisoners to such burdens. Choosing Jesus sets you free to experience and enjoy the best of life. So let's read this story. It's a short one. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do my work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is one of those stories in the Bible that makes us uncomfortable. Whenever I read it in a group, there's always somebody who squirms a little bit. Perhaps they identify with Martha and all the chores in their life that needs to be done. But it's not a story just about not being busy. Because sometimes people read this story and go, "Ah, I'll be like Mary. I'll I'll put off work and I'll just rest at Jesus' feet. It'll be wonderful. It's not a story about uh, resting. It's not a story about working. It's a story about priorities. And this story is uncomfortable because it's asking us all, whether we're busybodies or relaxers or wherever we find ourselves, it's asking us to put aside our personal priorities and to take up Jesus's priorities. And this is hard to do. The stuff in our lives that is important, that needs to be done, is usually stuff that we feel must happen. Our priorities, we feel just they just got to be. It's easier when we read other Bible stories about loving your neighbor. We go, I I get that. That's good to do. We like reading about Jesus setting a man free from his demons. We, We like hearing about the poor being given dignity. We like reading about Jesus healing the sick. That all makes sense to us. But asking us to push pause on our to do lists, well, that doesn't necessarily seem so holy and it doesn't necessarily seem so good. We often feel like, if I don't get all my work done, everything will fall apart. And Mary, Martha felt that way as well. It's really tempting, and I'm gonna, you're probably going to hear me do it, but it's tempting to say, don't be a Martha, be a Mary. Don't be so busy that you, enjoy, you forget to enjoy life. But it's not a story about scolding people who are busy like Martha. It's a story about Martha being set free being given a new priority to value and cherish. And that new priority allows her to say, you know what, I can step away from these other obligations for a little while. It's about Martha being set free, and it's about us. We can be free. So let's set the scene and dig into what is happening here in the story. See, we're introduced to two characters, Martha and Mary. Two women of the Gospels who are familiar to us. If you've read the Gospels at any length, you'll run into Martha and Mary. This story, the one we just read, is only actually found in Luke. But we read about Martha and Mary in other places. In fact, John chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 tells us this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Martha and her sister Mary. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent a word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So Martha and Mary are Lazarus's sisters. Lazarus is the one that Jesus calls forth from the dead. And so we find here they live in the town of Bethany. Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. And they seem to know Jesus, and they seem to know him well. And Jesus seems to know Lazarus, because Martha and Mary are able to say, the one you love is sick. There's a special relationship here. But beyond all that, the story we read today in Luke chapter 10 doesn't give us all that much detail. It does seem to be an earlier moment 
in the relationship between Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and Jesus, even though Lazarus isn't mentioned. And I think it certainly happens before John chapter 11 that we just read. And certainly it happens before Jesus goes to Jerusalem to go to the cross. So Jesus and his disciples are at Martha and Mary's home. Martha's the hostess. See, it's her responsibility to welcome Jesus appropriately. And that makes me wonder the question and ask you the question. What would you do if you found out that Jesus was coming to your house for a visit? What refreshments or meal would you serve? Would you order catering? What cleaning would you have to do? Would there be something you'd have to hide if Jesus was coming over? You ever have a time where you're getting the house ready for guests and you spend so much time and energy getting ready that by the time the guests get there, you are exhausted and they have a hard time enjoying their visit? I think you can start to feel the obligation that's weighing on Martha's shoulders. But she lives in a time when honoring a guest is a very elaborate process and failing to honor her guest would be something that would follow her around. Everybody would know, and they'd talk about, oh, Martha, she didn't do what she was supposed to do. And that leads me to an idea we really need to think about today, and that is any obligation that owns you will eat you up. See, Martha has a lot of responsibility placed on her, uh, but she lets that responsibility usurp what Jesus wants for her. And we can struggle with this too. There's all kinds of obligations that we need to face in life, all kinds of things that we need to do. And there are a lot of good things that we need to do. But as soon as an obligation owns you, that that means uh, you feel like your identity is now tied to that obligation. You feel like if I don't do this, I am less of a person. That's dangerous. That's an obligation owning you. And as soon as it owns you, it will destroy you. Now, we see that Martha has let her obligations own her by her reactions. Because when things are getting hard, she's trying to get these preparations all put together, and we see that she's getting angry. She's feeling overwhelmed, and she's starting to feel embarrassed. She's missing out on seeing Jesus. She just wants to sit at his feet, too. And I'm imagining, and this is me just imagining, and I don't think it's too far beyond the realm of possibility that Martha's going, boy, if Mary, was a, if Mary would just help me, we could have the work done sooner, and I could sit at Jesus' feet, too. And something like that doesn't sound so bad. But Martha's angry. She's frustrated. And that shows that she has a problem with her priorities. Instead of either getting on with her tasks, just getting them done, and so waiting at Jesus' feet afterwards, or waiting until later to take care of the tasks, she goes and confronts Jesus instead. The very person she wants to honor, she makes accusations against. She says, Lord, don't you care? You know, the disciples said something very similar to that to Jesus when they were riding on a boat on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. We're told in Mark 4.38, it says, Jesus was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So Martha, worried about honoring Jesus, ends up accusing Jesus and angry at her sister. It's not sounding too different from those disciples who are frustrated with Jesus. It's an ugly scene. Something good turns into something destructive because of Martha's anger. She's owned by her obligations. And something similar can happen to us. There are many important tasks in life, many things that we want to do. 
but we cannot let them own us. There are a lot of things we intend to do for good, but instead they bring frustration into our lives and our families. Do you spend too much time working? Or do you spend so much time working to provide a wonderful life for your kids? They end up not spending any time with your kids. You're always at work. Do you work hard all week so you can play hard all weekend? That's a recipe for exhaustion. Our American culture is full of values and expectations that want to own us. They're good, but if they run unchecked, they can become our identity. They can own us, and then they destroy us. That American value of work, it's wonderful to work hard to see the fruit of our labor. That's a good thing. It's not good to say we are our work. To say work is our identity. You ever have a time when you meet someone and you say, well, my name's so-and-so and I do this for a living. As though knowing what we do for a living can tell you what kind of person you're talking to. It's not okay when we closely connect our value with our work. Because as soon as we struggle in work, we're going to struggle with how we see ourselves. Another one of our American culture values that we have is independence. We like our freedom. We like to say, I'm responsible for me. We also like to say, I'm my own person. Acknowledge me. But you know what? When we live there too long and when that value owns us, it can become a lonely place to live. Progress is another one of those uh, values we have in our country. We say, if we're not moving forward, if we're not growing, if we're not getting better, something has to be wrong. And you could substitute the word more for the word progress. We're aiming for more, more money. More uh, more house, more cars, more family sometimes. More can be good, but it can own us. Sometimes I wonder if small churches, and we're a small church at Valley View, if we confuse the word more with being healthy. Sure, we want to grow. Sure, we want to do, we want to reach more people, as many as possible. But more doesn't always mean healthy. We can be very healthy and be right where we're at. You know, our culture also values that which puts us in charge. And Mary is, or Martha, is worried about what she's in charge of in this story. She's the hostess. And Jesus changes the value of who's in charge. Boy, it's really easy when we read this story to simply say, don't be like Martha, be like Mary. And I don't want to do that, but I think we're all going to read this a little bit. But I think a lot of us read this story, and in the end, we try to be both Mary and Martha. We say, yeah, I got to sit at Jesus' feet and rest and hear his teaching and, and grow that way. But then we also say, well, surely there are times when I need to be like Martha. There's chores that need to be done. There's tasks that have to be taken care of. I'll sit at Jesus' feet and do everything that needs to be done. You know, that's another obligation that can own us trying to be both Mary and Martha. And I get it. I think when we hear the phrase, surely there are tasks that must be done, we go, oh, yeah, you're right. There are things that are essential to life. But these tasks are not to own us. I am convinced that we attach the word necessary too often to our to-do list. So much of the stuff that we are obsessed with getting done is not necessary. In fact, Jesus tells us there is only one thing that is needed himself. Our obligations are not to own us. Jesus is our Lord. He is to be our master.
another thought we need to take in as we read this story is we are not to trade eternity in heaven for temporary satisfaction here on earth. Martha is doing what everybody expects of her. And not long after this, Jesus will go to the cross. He'll rise from the grave. He'll return to heaven. So Martha is doing what she thinks needs to be done. But there will become a moment when she will wish she had spent more time at Jesus' feet instead of in the other room getting the food ready. She's getting temporary satisfaction and she's missing the nourishment her soul needed. Don't get so caught up in obligations and activities that you fail to take care of eternity. I have never met a parent who told me, I wish we would have done less to instill Christ in our children. And I've met a lot of parents who say they wish they would have done more. They would have made a higher priority out of it. If we are not careful, we can pass our Martha tendencies onto our children. One commentator warned this way, Do not be guilty of discouraging others from taking their place at Jesus' feet. Don't do that. So what's the solution? Do we just stop being Martha's? Do we take it easy like Mary? Not at all. In fact, that still makes our happiness about what we do. We either do like Martha or do like Mary. What we really need to see is that Jesus sets us free to get the best from life. Because this story is about Martha being torn by, between obligation as a host and the need to sit at Jesus' feet. Jesus reverses the expectations. Martha's going, i got to get things done. And Jesus says, no, that's not what you'd expect. Jesus becomes the host. Martha's obsessed with being the hostess, but instead Jesus becomes the host and he meets the true needs of Mary and Martha. It's not the meal that's needed, it's Jesus. The story is not a reproof or repudiation of Martha, it is the freeing of Martha. She doesn't have to be the hostess, she can receive from Jesus. It might help if we think about how women were treated in Jesus' day. His women in Jesus' day were thought of as second-class citizens. Their testimony was not as valuable in a court of law as the testimony of a man. Women were treated more as property than as people. Women could not initiate a divorce. Only a man could. In the temple in Jerusalem, women were not allowed into the inner courts. That was a man-only area. And men did not speak to their wives in public. It was not a good world for women. And women were not to be students of a teacher. And students sat at their teacher's feet. Mary is seated at Jesus' feet. She's doing what, what no woman is supposed to do. You should imagine a buzz in the house. <gasps> Look at what Mary, Look at what she's doing. Doesn't she know her place? And Jesus is telling everyone that Mary has found her place. And he invites Martha to find her place too. They are to be free free from the obligations that own them in the world they live in as women. And he's inviting us to be free. Let go. Let go of these priorities, some of which we never ask for, and take on the priority of Jesus being Lord of our life. Kristen Berkeley Abbott says this, Jesus reminds Martha that Mary has chosen what's important, listening to God. Through his ministry again and again, Jesus teaches us of the marvelous transformations that can happen when we give attention to God instead of to the thousands of distractions society offers. Will you let Jesus bring about such transformation in you? 
Let's pray. Lord, we live in such busy times. Perhaps it's worse after a year of restriction being stuck in our homes. Help us to see clearly when we come close to being owned by our obligations. Help us to find our our being, ourselves, our identity in you and you alone. Help us to sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy the life that he gives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.